Hello and welcome to the Indiana Lawyer Podcast, your source for news in Hoosier Law, brought to you by Taft. I'm Olivia Covington, Indiana Lawyer Editor and your host for this week. As always, thanks for joining us. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that we introduced you to Tyler Fenwick, Indiana Lawyer's new senior reporter. This week, we have another introduction to make, Daniel Carson, our new managing editor. Plus, for our extended interview, I have a great conversation with three attorneys from Stahl, Keenan, Ogden, who told me all about their partnership with an Indianapolis high school to launch a legal education program and a mock trial team. It's definitely a story that'll lift your spirits, so be sure to stick around for that conversation. But before we get to that, let's dive into this week's news. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023, and these are your headlines. To start us off, let's hear from Daniel about the latest updates in the efforts to put a new judge on the Indiana federal bench. Daniel? An Indiana magistrate judge is one step closer to confirmation to become a district court judge, as the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee has unanimously approved Magistrate Judge Matthew Brookman's nomination to the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Indiana. That puts Brookman on track for a full Senate confirmation vote. Brookman has served as magistrate judge since 2016, filling a vacancy created by the retirement of magistrate judge William Hussman. He was nominated last December to fill the Indiana Southern District Court seat currently held by Judge Richard Young, who has submitted notice of his intention to take senior status. Carl Tobias, a University of Richmond School of Law professor, says the fact that the 21-member Judiciary Committee took a voice vote to advance Brookman's nomination, as opposed to a roll call, represents a strong vote of confidence for the nominee. Tobias also says it looks like it will be an easy confirmation, noting the positive discussion about Brookman by Senator Dick Durbin, the Illinois Democrat who chairs the Judiciary Committee, and Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, who is the committee's ranking minority member. That, plus the support of Indiana's two Republican senators, Todd Young and Mike Braun, were helpful in getting Brookman's nomination through the committee and onto the full Senate floor for a full confirmation vote. Brookman's confirmation would mean one less unfilled judicial vacancy for the U.S. Senate. Durbin said on March 9th that there were still 55 unfilled judicial vacancies. That includes in the Indiana Northern District Court, where senior judge Teresa Springman's chair has been open since she took senior status in January 2021, and where Chief Judge John DeGulio's chair will become empty when he takes senior status in July. Tobias says that the only real question now is when the full Senate will vote on Brookman's confirmation. That vote could come in either late March or sometime in April. Back to you, Olivia. Thanks, Daniel. Welcome to the team. Speaking of the Indiana Southern District Court, there's a new magistrate judge on the bench. A robing ceremony was held for Magistrate Judge Kelly Barr on March 10th at the Federal Courthouse in downtown Indianapolis. Barr joined the Indiana Southern District Court in November after Magistrate Judge Deborah McVicker Lynch retired in October. Barr's professional background includes a clerkship for Judge John Baker of the Court of Appeals of Indiana, two years with Bose McKinney and Evans in Indianapolis, another clerkship, this time with Judge Jane Magnus Stinson in the Indiana Southern District Court, and finally, in-house work with IU Health, where she rose to Assistant General Counsel for IU Health and Lead Attorney for IU Health Positions. 
But Barr isn't the only new magistrate judge on the Southern District bench. Magistrate Judge Kendra Klump was sworn in on January 6th, succeeding Judge Doris Pryor, who was recently elevated to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. And if Brookman is confirmed to succeed Judge Young as expected, the Southern District is already accepting applications for his successor as a magistrate judge. We'll keep you posted as these new faces take the bench. Next, let's move to the state courts. If you didn't know, March is Women's History Month, and March 8th specifically is International Women's Day. Indiana's appellate judges came together on March 8th this year to mark that day. Here's IL reporter Alexa Schrake with the story. On International Women's Day, appellate judges and special guests gathered to celebrate Hoosier Woman. There were many historic women in attendance at the March 8th celebration, including Judge Margaret Robb and Judge Nancy Vedic, the first and second female chief judges of the Court of Appeals of Indiana. Myra Selby, who was the first woman and first African-American on the Indiana Supreme Court. Chief Justice Loretta Rush, who is the state's first female chief, and Judge Dana Kenworthy, whose appointment to the COA last year created the court's first ever female judge majority. Keynote speaker Pamela Witten, who is the first female president of Indiana University, discussed how the transition to more women in leadership roles, including her own role, feels like an overnight change. She also called on female leaders who are the first women in their jobs to make sure they aren't the last. Alexa will have more coverage to mark Women's History Month in our March 29th issue, so be sure to pick up your copy. Alexa was also on hand when Indiana's court-appointed special advocates gathered at the Indiana State House on March 7th for their Casa Day celebration. Let's send it back to Alexa for the scoop from that event. Casa Day returned to the Statehouse for the first time since the pandemic this month. A sea of blue filled the North Atrium as volunteers who traveled from all across the state celebrated their work and heard from guest speakers. Chief Justice Loretta Rush and Court of Appeals Judge Dana Kenworthy both spoke about their experience with CASAs and how grateful they are for the work of the volunteers. Rush even presented a collage of photos of children she has worked with as a reminder of who the work is for. But Rush also said the CASAs need to work on a marketing pitch to get more volunteers. The chief added that she is working on securing grant funding to support the CASA program. Advocates ended the celebration with group photos and meetings with legislators. Back to you, Olivia. Thanks, Alexa. I've also been spending some time in the Statehouse lately. Let me tell you about one particular bill that I've been following. That bill is Senate Bill 331, authored by Senator Mark Messmer, a Republican from Jasper. Senate Bill 331 actually relates to a bill that I wrote about back in 2020, Senate Enrolled Act 206, which prohibited criminal defendants from deposing alleged minor victims of a sex crime. SCA 206 was challenged in court and was even temporarily struck down by the Court of Appeals, but the Indiana Supreme Court upheld the law last June, reinstating it. Now, Mesmer is revisiting the issue with SB 331, which he says is designed to close a loophole that defense attorneys have been using to get around the confines of SEA 206. According to Mesmer, defendants are bringing in alleged minor victims for written depositions or informal meetings, neither of which are prohibited under the 2020 law. So, SB 331 explicitly adds written depositions and informal interviews to the type of depositions that are prohibited. 
SB 331 unanimously passed both the House and Senate this year, and now it's headed back to the Senate after a minor amendment was added in a House committee. Mesmer supported the House amendment, so it's likely that the amended version of the bill will be headed for the governor's desk soon. We'll keep an eye on this bill and several others we've been following this year that could impact you as both a lawyer and a private citizen. You can check out a rundown of some of the most relevant bills to lawyers in our March 15th issue. To wrap up today's headlines, here's Indiana Lawyer senior reporter Tyler Fenwick with a preview of a story he's working on for our upcoming March 29th issue. Tyler? Leon Benson walked out of prison a free man earlier this month after a Marion Superior Court judge vacated his first-degree murder conviction. Benson had spent almost a quarter of a century in prison. Benson's exoneration followed an investigation that revealed the lead detective in the case against him buried evidence that pointed to another man as the actual shooter. Benson was convicted in 1999 and was sentenced to 61 years in prison. His conviction stemmed from a shooting in August of 1998 when a man was shot and killed in his car in downtown Indianapolis in the middle of the night. Even though multiple leads pointed to another suspect, police zeroed in on Benson. That was partially because the lead detective excised almost all information that pointed to another man as the shooter, including handwritten notes from witness interviews. The investigation that led to Benson's exoneration was led by the Racial Justice Clinic at the University of San Francisco School of Law and the Conviction Integrity Unit of the Marion County Prosecutor's Office here in Indianapolis. This is the first exoneration under the Conviction Integrity Unit, which was established in 2021. To learn more about the case, read my story in the March 29th issue of Indiana Lawyer. Thanks, Tyler. All right, that'll do it for this week's headlines. As always, if you want more legal news, theindianalawyer.com is the place to go. Stick around after our sponsor break to hear this week's extended interview, which, like I said at the top of the show, is one you don't want to miss. Taft. Today's modern law firm. At Taft, we cultivate a highly respectful, transparent workplace that fosters creativity, teamwork, inclusion, and diversity. We couple our culture with a client-first approach, rewarding lawyers who understand their clients' goals and work to deliver success. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. For this week's extended interview, we're taking a break from our conversations with bar leaders to chat about a partnership between an Indianapolis high school and a local law firm. You may remember that back in September 2021, we brought you the story of the partnership between Arsenal Tech High School and what was then the firm Katz Corn Cunningham, now Stahl Keenan Ogden. The idea of the partnership was to expose students to the practice of law in the hopes of inspiring some of them to pursue legal careers and there were plans to create a mock trial program, which have come to fruition. So that program, known as Classrooms to Courtrooms, has grown between that first story and now. So I'm joined today by Stalkin and Ogden attorneys Norris Cunningham. Hi. Hi, Louia. Brooke Smith. Good afternoon. And Angela Reinhardt. Hi, thanks for having us. And they are here to give us the rundown. So let's dive on in. I'll start with kind of a general question and whoever wants to answer, feel free. So I, you know, I gave a little bit of the background, but what exactly is classrooms to courtrooms? 
Thanks, Olivia. This is Norris. So Classroom Support Rooms is sort of a comprehensive program around the goal of inspiring young high school students to have an interest in the practice of law uh, by exposing them to uh, attorneys from our firm, uh, actually being present in their classrooms, uh, assisting and teaching their law education class, and then, as you mentioned, coaching uh, the mock trial teams as well. So can each of the three of you kind of walk me through what your role is? Maybe they're all kind of similar, but I'd, I'd like your perspectives on them. So I, I'll, I'll sort of start it because my, mine has been sort of mainly the, the idea person, at least initially, and then a lot of elbow grease uh, wherever it's needed. And usually that's Angela and Brooke telling me what I need to do um, <laughs> on, on any given day with regard to it. So, so I, I sort of came up with the original idea um, or at least this thought process around this partnership with Arsenal Tech in uh, early 2021, uh, reached out to the principal at the time, Principal Franklin, uh, and was introduced to Don Walker Sirely, who is the social studies uh, department chair at Arsenal Tech. She also teaches the law ed class. And her and I got together and sort of talked about how we might make this whole thing work about having lawyers in the classroom. She really liked the idea, and I brought it back to our firm's social justice committee. At the time, we were at and Cunningham, our social justice committee. Uh, Angela and Brooke came on as volunteers, and that's when actually all the really good stuff started, because an idea is only as good as those people who can actually help to put uh, boots on the ground and, and, and make things happen. And, and uh, so Angela and Brooke have been really instrumental in doing that. So I'll let them sort of explain their role. Sure. sure. So, um, with Norris's broad, bold plan of, of establishing this program, uh, we really got to put the pen to paper. And, and I primarily did work creating the syllabus for the class so that the students could get to know the different aspects of litigation. And then once we got into the mock trial program, divvying up how that was going to work, what we were going to study that day. We also put together sort of volunteer sheets, volunteer materials, just anything that anyone who's stepping into the classroom should have everything that they need to teach the students that day so that we can really get a, a broad amount and a broad range of attorneys that, that come in and to, to do this work for us. And then, you know, taking Brooke's work um, and putting together the syllabus and all of the materials that we needed, I primarily would assisted with the coaching and the teaching of the classes um, and corralling, you know, we all did corralling other uh, volunteers from our office and through the Defense Trial Council of Indiana, other volunteers to go in and help teach these classes. This year, the program grew from one class to four wow. <laughs> classes. So there was a lot of coverage needed. And so, you know, Brooke's syllabus helped make getting other volunteers to participate really easy because it laid out exactly the topic for the day. So the, the volunteer attorneys knew exactly what they were going in to talk to the students about, you know, signing up to coach certain teams, volunteering to teach every couple of weeks during the different class periods. And yeah, just having a great time doing it. Yeah. And then each of us had a really great opportunity to coach a mock trial team. Mm -hmm. We had two that were in the competition uh, just a few weeks ago uh, and getting to have that that one-on-one -on -one contact with the kids and, and coach them through a, a difficult competition like that, I think was very impactful for all of us. And Olivia, the, the growth that we've had, uh, Angela alluded to it, but uh, that's, that's an area that we really are very, very proud of. So in 2021, the beginning of the 2021 school year in August of last year, we were we were teaching the uh, law ed class. It was actually two different sections of the class that that met for one semester. 
Okay. Uh, last fall, we had uh, 32 kids between the two sections, the two classes. This past year, uh, registration was for four different sections. It became a full year course instead of just one semester. And there were 84 kids, I think, initially registered. Wow. Last year, we had uh, one mock trial team participate uh, in the high school mock trial competition. That was eight kids, which is actually the minimum number of kids that you can have for a team. This year, we had two teams participate, 19 kids total. Oh my goodness. Um, so a lot of growth there as well. So we've grown uh, the number of sections. The course material has grown because we've actually expanded to, to a full year. And then we, we just added a lot more, a lot more kids and more mock trial teams as well. And none of this, uh, by the way, uh, all of what we've done would really be, uh, wouldn't be possible without the help that we've gotten from our friends at the Defense Trial Council of Indiana. A lot of lawyers there have volunteered uh, to teach the classes. More importantly for us, they've donated a lot of money um, <laughs> because one of the things that we try and, and, and make sure is that money is not a barrier. We try and remove as many barriers to the kids participating as we possibly can. Arsenal Tech is about 80% black and brown students. It is greater than 70%, I believe, are on free or reduced lunch. And so these kids don't necessarily have the wherewithal to go and buy a brand new suit for the mock trial competition, even though courtroom attire is required. And so rather than have that be a barrier, we've set about each year raising money to take the kids on a shopping uh, trip. Uh, both the years we've done, we've gone to Nordstrom Rack. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you can imagine, we did this year taking 21 uh, high school kids shopping at Nordstrom Rack. It was quite the experience for all of the lawyers involved, I can tell you. But, but again, we're trying to remove uh, the barriers. No cost for registration, no cost for even for food to show up to our competitions, no cost for transportation. We want the kids there without any of those kind of things being barriers for them. So when you're talking about this class, is it like an after school thing or, you know, like during the day, this is a like a class they would take as part of their school day? Starting at 722 in the morning. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Friday. Right. I will. I will be there at 722 in the morning tomorrow. Oh, wow. Um, so for the first and, and uh, third period classes that we have on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, yeah, we actually teach the class. Uh, Dawn Walker Sirely, the teacher, she essentially has them one day per week. The class meets twice a week and uh, and we have them the other day and laid out based on our syllabus, uh, utilizing the volunteer lawyers that we have. During the mock trial season, we concentrate a lot during the class, obviously, on on preparation for, for mock trial. But other than that, we try and make sure that it's a well-rounded experience. Brooke, you want to tell her a little bit about sort of the guest speakers and those things that we have lined up for the class? Of course. So um, because the, the overall goal is law education and getting the students uh, better contact and positive contact with the law and the attorneys, uh, once the mock trial competition is over, our syllabus dedicates the remaining weeks of the semester to, to themes. Um, so this week, Norris is speaking on ADR issues and mediation oh, sure. and the like. We had just last week, how to become an attorney theme week, where folks spoke about the process of taking the LSAT and the bar exam and all that good stuff. Uh, and then moving forward, we have things like transactional attorneys and, and judges week and, and other government attorneys uh, so that they can really get a, a full picture of the, the realm of the types of attorneys that are out there, mm -hmm. including legal assistants and, and other professional staff that work with attorneys. Uh, we have a, a theme week for them as well. Yeah. I remember towards the end of, of preparing for math trial, you know, reminding them that we were going to be having 
guest speakers come in to speak after the competition was over. And and one of the kids asked, wait, you have non-lawyers that work at your law firm. Why would a non-lawyer work at your law firm? And so we explained, we're just like any other business, right? We have people who work in marketing and tech and we have a business office and accounting. So you know, you can you can go into a profession at a law firm that isn't necessarily um, an attorney. So it's I think it's really educational for them because it's clearly something they didn't all realize. <laughs> Interesting. So tell me more about the mock trial program and kind of building that from the ground up. Yeah. So right away, we felt like and, and uh, that was actually part of the impetus for for the law ed, uh, program and the partnership with with Arsenal Tech. A few years back, I volunteered as a coach for the high school mock trial competition. And one of the things that I noticed in the rounds that, that I was a judge for, none of the kids looked like me. And I understand it's a podcast. So for those folks out there, I'm, Afri- I'm African-American. And, and so uh, it, it just occurred to me that, hey, there's got to be some kids out there who look like me who are probably interested in, in being a part of this process as well. And one of the things that I noticed was that it was dominated by sort of the suburban schools, the Indianapolis suburban schools and and private schools. And I think there's one team from all of IPS from one of the high schools. From that vantage point, I was purposeful about about reaching out to Arsenal Tech, making sure that it was an IPS school that we partnered with. You know, these kids are going to have less opportunity to have a parent or an uncle or a family member or somebody who's a lawyer who could coach a mock trial team. And, and so that's why they, they, those schools tend not to participate. And we just felt that this was a way of being able to uh, to solve that. So we, we started off teaching the class using the prior year's mock trial scenario as kind of the teaching material and the scenario to be able to teach the kids in the law ed class about litigation, about the particular roles uh, involved, what the judge does and witnesses and court reporters, the jury, their purpose, all of those things. And so we use that as sort of a teaching mechanism as we go through the course of the semester. And then usually by about the end of October, that's when the new scenario is going to drop. And then at that point, we sort of pivot to finding the kids who actually want to participate in mock trial and then getting them ready by going through the new scenario. And they've already gotten now some real good background and some some real understanding of the of the legal process and the litigation process through the work that we had done with them on the early part of the semester. So how'd they do this season? We did really well, and we were really excited uh, about about the kids' performance. We had two teams. One of our kids who acted as as an attorney uh, was chosen as best attorney twice in two wow. different rounds. So there are three rounds of competition uh, during the, the mock trial competition. But she was tr- she was chosen twice. And this is after she was chosen as a best attorney for one of the rounds last year. Wow. Um, so she had she uh, she had uh, come back to to participate again. Then we had another kid who was chosen as best witness twice in two different rounds. Another one of our kids who at the last minute had to take on the role of attorney. When I say the last minute, literally 24 hours before the competition. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. He had to take over for someone and got best attorney. Uh, in one of the rounds, if you can imagine that. So some real natural talent and skill there. Mm-hmm. But we're really, really fortunate to watch these kids grow and develop over the course of the year and and develop such a real interest, don't you think? Yeah, you absolutely. Um, and I, I think, too, one of the most rewarding things about the competition is seeing the camaraderie that the students build. I mean, some of them came in as friends, but a lot of them didn't know each other. And watching them huddle up before 
the competition and then, you know, huddling up afterwards to to share their their favorite moment of the day. That's what is really awesome. And then for me, uh, we had three trials uh, as part of the competition. And in between the trials, I had the hardest time getting my team out of the courtroom. They just wanted to keep practicing and practicing. At one point, they told me, Miss Brooke, our stomachs can wait. (laughs) The pizza was ready. So that was that was pretty inspiring for me just to see them really dig in and and get into the competition. And it's it's a long, tiring day to 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 watch them, you know, compete in the third round that could, I think, starts at 430 and could go until eight. I think we finished up around seven, maybe. But to watch them, you know, have a 12 to 15 hour day and honestly compete at their strongest in that last round for, for our teams. It's incredible. And yeah. both our teams won their last round. Yes. Yeah. That's true. A lot of them have developed a real love and a real passion for this, which obviously was the entire point, right? I mean, that's really what we were going for is, is to be able to model what we do for them, uh, give them something really interesting to do and a really great activity in the con- team activity in the context of, of my trial but just really expose them to what it is we do and, and, and the passion that we have for it. I love the practice of law, and I can see that that's rubbed off on a lot of the kids. One of our kids, Gabby, the one who was best attorney last year and then won best attorney twice this year, has applied to some really, really good schools that I expect that she's going to get into. But she is focused now on a legal career in, in a way that she was not before this experience. And then we had another kid, Lovey, who actually came to Arsenal Tech this year uh, this this school year, specifically to participate in mock trial. Oh my goodness! Because um, she was at a small school that did not have it. She had this real. She has this real passion and a real skill set mm-hmm. for the law. She is just an a- absolutely incredible person. A lot of energy. But but she came just to be a part of of the mock trial program, which is which really does speak to the fact that there's a constituency out there for what we're doing, and and this is an opportunity to be able to bring those kids in and give them some exposure when they wouldn't otherwise uh, have had it. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the teachers you work with who have, you know, watched their students really grow into this? So um, Miss Walker-Siley, Don Walker-Siley, is the, the teacher we primarily work with. And every year she just, she gets as proud as we are and sort of as teared up at the end mm-hmm. of the competition as we are. Um, but really this year we had other administrators from the school who came to the competition uh, sort of saying they were just discovering the program and all the work that we've been doing as part of it and all the work the students have been doing. And they're really very appreciative of of the program and the, the development of the students. Yeah, absolutely. But we had um, a celebration uh, <laughs> at the school the week after the competition. And uh, I think one of the vice principals mm-hmm. um, came and and thanked us and and applauded the kids for their hard work and and making a difference and encouraging them to spread the news about this program at the school and what they're doing and tell their other teachers about it so that they know because, you know, they're so proud of of what this program is doing for the school. But watching Miss Walker Sirely tear up at the end when she was, you know, telling, not thinking us, telling the kids, this is why she does what she does. Mm -hmm. Um, And that she's there for them. I, I just hadn't experienced anything like that you know, from a, from a, a teacher being in that moment was pretty special. And, and there are, there have been a lot of those moments. We joke about it, but I, I still think one of the most poignant things for me this past year, I think it was the Wednesday before the competition. So just a few weeks ago, uh, being in the mock trial, the, the courtroom at Arsenal Tech High School, walking in for our practice that day and looking over to my right. And there's Don Walker Sirely 
literally ironing the shirts for the boys. Oh, no. <laughs> um, uh, because we, we're having a dress rehearsal to make sure everybody's new clothes fit well and, and, and all of that. And she was literally there ironing their shirts. Um, it, it's, it's just became it's become really clear to me that not just her, but a lot of teachers there. There's nothing that they won't do to try and enhance the educational experience of these kids. And, and she sees this program as a real opportunity to be able to do that. And she, along with Mr. Collins, who's another one of the, 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 the teachers, Ted Collins, who works with her, is always driving the bus wherever the, the kids have to be. <laughs> if they have to get to Nordstrom Rack to get their suits, if, if they, um, uh, you know, the day of the competition or just getting them down here for practice and, and everything, these teachers are always invested. And, um, and, and quite frankly, I find them as inspiring, that part of it, just watching Absolutely. and observing them. It's as inspiring as what we see, the growth that we see in the kids. Because we know that, that, quite frankly, it's happening. That growth is happening because of their efforts. Right. So this academic year is starting to wrap up. So looking ahead to next year, any plans, expected growth, what's coming? Well, let's see. Last, so last year, um, we found out literally on the phone with Dawn uh, that they had expanded to four classes <laughs> as we were getting ready to start the school year. I think within a couple of weeks of yeah, the start of school <laughs> when we found out. So. So we expect that there's, there's probably going to be some growth. Um, our kids took us very seriously when we said, hey, bring a friend, right? And I mean, the interest has been there and it's continued to grow. I, I think the, the 19 kids who participated this year in the mock trial part of it, they all just collectively had a profound experience. I mean, there's just no doubt in my mind about that. Them, seeing them grow the way that they have, eight of the 19 kids are English as second language students. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I want you to imagine that challenge, like right, that. as part of their training and getting ready for the mock trial competition, having to deal with that language barrier to, to, to some extent. And legal words are not easy for those of us for whom English is, right, <laughs> is our mother tongue, yeah, exactly. is our primary language. Uh, so imagine uh, what it's like for some of these students. But they were all in every single day in trying to learn and trying to develop. And a couple of the kids who early on struggled just with, with basic pronunciation, were incredibly good by the time of the trial. So uh, them being able to learn that they can grow and they can develop and they can increase their talent uh, and their skill in, in this way, I think, is, is tremendous. Even if they don't go on to a career in the law at, at sure. all, they've learned a lot of different things from this experience. Sure. And we also hope that the um, uh, Classrooms to Courtrooms program not only grows or continues to grow at Arsenal Tech, but it, it spreads to other law firms and to other IDS schools as well. And that other firms, particularly in Indianapolis, use it as a call to action to, to right. donate their time and energy to, to a similar program and another very worthy school. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that, that was really fortuitous, um, Olivia, is that so the day before the Montreal competition was on February 25th, uh, so just a couple of three weeks ago, and the day before that Friday, Justice David, Stephen David, has his Open Conversations mm -hmm. uh, CLE sponsored by the State Bar Association. He had us on as guests, and we actually uh, joined him on his Zoom from the courtroom at Arsenal Tech with five of the kids, along with Don Walker Sirely, the, the teacher. And so everybody, uh, attorneys from around the state, there are about 100 and some odd participants uh, in the CLE, got to hear about the program. I got a, had a lot of people reach out to me. Uh, and asked for copies of a PDF that Brooke was kind enough and Angela were kind enough to put together that sort of explains how we did this and how they can go about doing it. So to anybody out there who's listening to this right now, if you're interested, 
you can reach out to us, skofirm.com. You can find uh, uh, our contact information. Uh, and we're happy to share with you sure. our starter kit, if you will, uh, for how to how to do this program in your community. That's how focused we are on exporting this as much as we can. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode then. Thanks again to Norris, Brooke, and Angela for joining me. You can listen to our previous interviews on our website or on your favorite podcast app. See you next time.